What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, March 28th, 2021, and this week's episode, the Gabriel Appreciation Show. We'll be celebrating my trip around the sun and, of course, recapping UFC 260. We have a new heavyweight champion in Francis Ngannou, and we'll talk about the notable stories coming out of Saturday's pay-per-view. We'll also talk about the latest in the MMA world, former champion Misha Tate coming back, and the latest with Ben Askren's trip into boxing to take on Jake Paul. And we'll cap off the show... Looking ahead, it is the first Bellator event of the year, and it is headlined by arguably their greatest fighter ever, Patricio Pitbull, taking on Emmanuel Sanchez in the final semifinal of the Featherweight Grand Prix. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Welcome back from beautiful Las Vegas. Thank you. I I can't imagine it was a... uh... Um, one to remember for uh, for you and everyone else there. Am I right? Am I wrong? How do you feel? You know what? Backstage was very interesting. I will say that this time it was just quite the... Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there have been a lot crazier nights, but it was one of those things did not go quite business as usual. There was a very interesting pacing, which uh, is the spice of life, yeah? So, okay. but yeah, yeah, so it was good. Dana White's scrum, which we'll get into, had some stuff happen. And then the fights themselves, it was a slow simmer. And then, you know, I think that pot really boiled over by the end. So it was uh, fun in that way. It was one of those kinds of nights. Okay, okay. What about yourself? How did you enjoy the show? Uh, you know, these days it's like just usually get to my uh, sofa in time to see the main fight and then work my way backwards. So, you know, waiting for the old, uh, the old little man to, to go to sleep. And then, so catch the main, which is great. And then, you know, rewind essentially and, uh, and watch that way, which is good. Cause you get to skip the, uh, the middle fillers, you know, transitional stuff. You get to trim the fat off the broadcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Stipe Miocic against Francis Ngannou 2. Obviously, they fought in 2018 and Stipe got the better of Francis. Very different last night. Uh, just very bluntly, it was very all systems go early for Francis. I think that um, th- th- we could talk about the size. He had, I believe they said roughly 33 pounds on Stipe uh, in that ballpark. But the fact is, I think the height and the reach really was what shocked Stipe. I think that just the way Francis really was piercing the guard, I think the fact that he kind of opened with short combinations early, I think the fact that he didn't, you know, like he said, he took his time. I think he got out of the way of Stipe's counters well. He did a good job of just not staying there for Stipe to set up his own offense. And like we knew he was going to bring the power, I think that you could just tell that Francis was, even the stuff that wasn't necessarily going to ever knock him out, it was having a noticeable effect on Stipe. You have that uh, knockdown, fall down, whatever you, uh, whatever it was in the first round. Francis swarms, Stipe wears it well, gets to the second round, and uh, 
It was a little more Francis Ngannou, and this time it really just came together. Uh, he hurts Stipe. Stipe gets back up. You have that brief moment where Ngannou actually, you know, gets a little reckless, drops the defense. Stipe cracks him. Ngannou eats it, and Stipe just does not have his hands up whatsoever. Short hook just ends it. Uh, Stipe was out before he ever hit the canvas. Uh, very brutal final shot, but... uh. Francis Ngannou, the new heavyweight champion of the UFC. Natalie, what were your thoughts on the fight? Uh, oof, it was uh, it was one of those that just you kind of just sitting there in silence for a second to process what all went down. Uh, you broke it down. Um, well, that's pretty much all that that happened. I was surprised that that Ngannou, uh, that Stipe was able to absorb those shots in the first round against the cage. Um, Ngannou surprised everyone with the excellent, you know, the sprawl and. He spun around and, and sort of took uh, Stipe's back a little bit and was just beating on him. So Stipe definitely has a chin. I, I can't think anyone else would have survived that. Maybe Derek Lewis, but I don't know. So that was shocking. Um, you know, in the corners, Stipe's coach is telling him a little more offense, a little more offense. Stipe looks, hmm, you know, like he's processing, like he's trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And probably also recovering physically from from those hard shots. So, um, you know, you could see Ngannou's mouth open as soon as the exchange in that first round ended, where he had him up against the cage. And so, of course, you think, okay, if Stipe can hang on and just draw him out, round two, round three, you know, maybe we could have seen the tide turn. But Stipe at this point hadn't offered anything uh, threatening to Ngannou. Ngannou was staying patient. And so it was just really Nganu, it was, you know, it was his fight to lose at that point. When he actually lands the knockout shot, it's hard to watch because when you see a lot of fighters get put out and they're, and they fall backwards on their bent knee, usually that knee collapses entirely. And so they, they hit their back on the canvas and their head, but that didn't happen with Stipe. Maybe he's just not flexible enough or I don't know what. But the knee stopped short of, of, of Stipe's body hitting the canvas, causing his head to snap violently in the air. Then he hits the canvas. And then Nganu lands one more shot before Herb Dean can really get in there and separate them. So yeah, that I was think that happened. That old school clip of uh, Gabriel Gonzaga knocking out Mirko Krokop. Same thing if you uh, um if you go back uh, like a lot of OG fans probably remember it just same thing that leg actually just you know completely crumples similar to Stipe I remember in that one Krokop actually I think they said his ankle or something it actually like uh he had to get like a procedure on it because when he knocked out it rolled completely under him so he woke oh. up not just knocked out but you know now he had an injured knee or ankle too um. Yeah, that's how you know you were put to sleep before the yeah. fight. Yeah, and Stipe's knee looked to me swollen, but I haven't heard anything about how he's doing. His wife as... said that he's doing okay, but uh, respectfully, I don't think that there's anything else she would say. But um, Right, of course. Uh, you know what? Uh, very impressed. And like I said, if you see it, you're going to see this absolutely incredible run that you got to celebrate. Um. Knocked out Curtis Blades, Kane Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, and now Stipe to claim the heavyweight championship. 
I think he's now the only guy to have wins over both Kane, JD, and JDS um, for Nganu, and obviously now Stipe, so... Excuse me. God bless you. It's like the heat is finally coming back in California, so I'm sorry, guys, the allergies. Um, Excuse me, but uh, look, the fact is um, very... uh, I mean, tell me somebody else who has all three guys on the resume. Essentially, the last, really the last four heavyweight champions, if I'm not mistaken. Because um, he also defeated Verdum to win the title originally. So, uh, so sorry, stupid dude. Um, but for Francis, you know, the fact that he's got both, you know, Stipe never fought Kane. And Nganu was the one to kind of add him to the resume. So, yeah. Just very impressive run. Uh, Stipe, um, look, he's still, he's had a great run. Still a tough guy. Still a lot of miles, I think, left in the tank. I do think he still comes back as a very dangerous contender, if not possibly the trilogy with Nganu. But I think we all knew what was coming next. And then we didn't. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about it in the post fight? Yeah. I, I would love to. Yeah. You know, so all week, uh, you know, I think for the last two months, it's like, you know, Dana White, you remember this, like, oh, we had the best conversation, Dana White and John Jones, we had the best conversation we'd had in a long time. And, you know, in that Dana White talking to Brett Okamoto voice, like, you know, yeah, Jones is going to fight the winner, Stipe and Francis. I'm sorry, but I heard all that. This is a done deal. The the deal is, you know, the money is set. The terms are set. The paperwork is done. John Jones is lifting weights knowing that when the title is done, he will have the other name added to his contract and we're going to get it on at the, you know, somewhat time in 2021. They ask Dana White and he's like, the first thing out of his mouth, if I'm John Jones watching this, I think about going down to 185. And there's a little exposition in between. And then he says, Derek Lewis is the fight to make. And I was like, <laughs> what? 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 This, no, the deal was done. The good conversation. John Jones is lifting the weight. What is so? Um, All of that. I'll be honest. That hit me from left field because I was like, it's done. I was under the impression this deal is done. Whatever you talked had to talk to John Jones about, you talked to him about already. So I don't know if it was they tried to play it off as water under the bridge and John started lifting weights. Or if John started saying, you know what, this is a big fight. I want more money than we've already agreed upon for my move up. I don't know. Obviously, you know, it could be either way. But the fact is... It is not a lock like we thought it was 48 hours ago. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think I'm wondering if the timing was, you know, Dana White saying Derek Lewis is next, if that was because of John Jones's tweets, right? Like, let's go, baby, and then show me the money. Maybe Dana White was like uh, rolling his eyes and he's like, okay, let's, uh, let's, uh, tighten the let's like put his, you know, feet under the, under the fire a little bit and see how he responds now when I remind him that the UFC uh, rules, the UFC is uh, has the final say. So it seemed a little bit like um, just plain, like Dana White playing with his with his food, if you will. You know, 
taking advantage of his position to to mess with one of his biggest stars that whose attitude he doesn't like. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, DC was like, give him John Jones, right? Because I, I think he can see like, hey, President God is probably really gonna has a chance of messing up John Jones. I wouldn't mind seeing that. So he was he was all for it too. Uh, I think everybody is. I mean, that was the whole reason for John Jones going up, basically, right? To fight whoever was the best. And a fight against Stipe would have been exciting, but a fight against Nganu coming off a win like this, I mean, the money is there for everybody. Why why get greedy? Um, so I was surprised, but I don't really think that it's going to end up being Derek Lewis. I just don't. Like, why would you burn that momentum that Nganu Jones has right now? It's not going to get any hotter. It really isn't. I mean, you'd say, show me the money. I just, I thought he was already shown the money. I thought that's why he started lifting weight. That's but, what I mean. Um, that's probably why Dana White was like, oh, okay, you want to pretend? You want to play games? So, How do you like this? I will say, yeah, I have a hard time seeing a scenario where they don't come to terms. If, uh, I will hit you with this curveball in the event that they don't. And mind you, Derek Lewis is now the all-time leader in knockouts in the heavyweight division, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. He has the last victory over Francis Ngannou. Um, well, let me just rephrase that. Uh, it was an episode of The Twilight Zone in the middle of a pay-per-view the last time they fought. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you think, oh, man, Ngannou Lewis, that was exciting. It was the opposite. But that's neither here nor there anymore. But the fact is, um, Derek Lewis is right there. Cyril Ghosn is right there. Yes, this is all correct. We know the demand is there for the John Jones fight. If somehow it were to fall apart, and I will say right now, I don't think that it will. I think that it is, I do favor them coming to terms after last night's little uh, back and forth. Yeah. I will say that that gives me very little confidence in a long-term future for John Jones. Which is to say, I think that, let's say John Jones does not fight in 2021 either for any reason. I could see John Jones one more fight and that's a wrap. Because I think that if you have this much of a lock and just this much of a done deal. And, you know, every fight is still becoming this kind of long, drawn out negotiation. You know, look, we know John Jones has been at the top for over 10 years now. He still has not lost technically since uh, the Matt Hamill fight. Uh, you know, at a certain point, I am aware that he's kind of looking to put that final exclamation point. And so the longer you wait now after that fight with Dominic Reyes, I just don't know if you could say, oh, he's going to fight beat Francis hypothetically and then beat uh you know Stipe and Derek and have this run at heavyweight I if this is such a big hurdle already I don't know if he gets to that point you get what I mean yeah it is I think he's under oh he's overestimating his his um his sway his star power his position and the in the in the promotion his popularity like He's taking a lot of gambles here, and, and I guess if you don't need the money, then okay. And you're trying to make a case for big fights should should you know big fights deserve more money. That's fine, but I mean, it looks like if he keeps going with that line of with that argument, like it's just going to be no fights for him 
And so he has to just decide what he's comfortable with, you know, doing things his own way and never fighting again, potentially, but standing his ground or compromising. And that's for each person to decide, you know, what they're willing to do. Yeah, I think it'll be, um, you know, it's worth uh, observing, but um, I do favor that they'll get the job, get the deal done. Let's be honest, we all knew if Adesanya won about three weeks ago, we'd be having a different conversation. Of course. That changes, but at the end of the day, just, um, you know, it's over a year since John Jones fought. And let's say Nganu were to fight Derek Lewis, I don't know if Nganu is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to also fight in December too, even if I one round knockout Lewis, hypothetically. So uh, we just have a very, very interesting situation. But, you know, my thing is how far off are they? That's going to determine everything. If it's just a little bit, they're going to get this done quick. If not, (sighs) you know, we all know the train keeps rolling no matter what in the UFC world. They've proven their ability to do that, so they would just do the same thing again. But yeah, uh, good options on the table for everybody. I like it. Um, I think that either way, you get a good fight in the next one for Francis Ngannou, who rightfully gets to enjoy his moment. It's been an incredible run to reach the title for him, and that was certainly the cap off to you know complete the journey, at least to the belt for the first time. Dude, and there... can we talk about his physique for a uh, real quick? The yes. traps, the glutes. I have to. I have to say, like someone who has glutes that size, you know, you're gonna be hurting people with your fists, man. Generating that kind of power. Did you? How close were you able to get at any point during this fight week to Francis Ngannou? And is he an imposing figure the way it appears he would be on TV? Is it like standing near Fedor? Like, what's the? What's your impression? I think from my spot at the press conference, uh, the post-fight to Nganu, maybe about under 15 feet. Um, and I will say, uh, I've been asked this, and Nganu is, I will say this, I think that of any fighter, Johnny Walker and uh, Tito Ortiz feel like their presence, but Nganu's tall, and you could just, I think at the weigh-ins, you could just see it's like that is a straight-up physical specimen. Yeah. Like his muscles have muscles kind of deal. Yep. And oh, uh, I think the biggest tell was the side-by-side photos of the weigh-ins the first time he fought Stipe. And now it's like, dude, he was big back then. And now you look at him on the scales and it's like, dang, you know. And yeah, like 263, he is probably like the leanest 263 pound guy out there when you look at his body right just the muscles that are on him just that is all you know dynamite on you know on his arms and his chest and all that but yeah no it he did look intimidating for anybody on the scale (laughs) you know very very, like yol romero paulo costa respectfully they're shorter yeah um let's talk a co-main event very fun one round long as it lasted uh time woodley vicente luque woodley drew first blood looks like he kind of gets a good shot he was he had a great start got in his face going for takedowns kept throwing hands and then it seemed like he just got reckless when he felt like he had him hurt and then he just left those openings and i'll be honest that was almost heartbreaking because i was like 
Oh, man, like, look, we knew Woodley needed the win. Like, you don't, regardless of who you pick, win or lose, you, no one wants to see a guy hit a skid like that, just objectively. And then Luke connects, hurts him, they start throwing hands, and then Luke uh, drops him, gets the Darce choke. It was just very... uh. Very fun for as long as it lasted, but then that was it for Tyron Woodley. Um, I don't. There's not really much to say about the fight objectively, uh, unless you have something to add. But someone no, no. just say, "Is this it? Was this the last UFC appearance for Woodley?" Because Dana White certainly said that's a real possibility. You know, normally I would say four in a row. And the, the, the drop that it's been for him from champion to just, you know, losing the belt and losing, losing, losing and sort of, you know, hard to watch ways when you know what he, he was capable of. And it's just like not even the same fighter. But in this instance, it looked like he was back. He himself said so. His training camp was he was pushed in ways he hadn't been before. He felt like he finally had the spark, the, the power, the firepower back. And so for that reason. Because it felt like we were going to see and saw a little bit of the old tyrant. For that reason, I say, let's try one more and see if you can put all the pieces together. Um, you know, but it is it is hard. It's the, it's the kind of loss, you know, the number, I should say. You hit that number four and you got to start asking those tough questions. And, of course, it's it makes sense that everyone is. But I feel like, man, give the guy one more shot. I'm sure he's thinking the same thing. What do you see? You know, um, I do take into account that he was shut out by nothing less than, you know, on paper, the three best welterweights in the division, right? Yeah. Usman, Colby, and uh, Gilbert Burns. That being said, you're also talking about, once again, this is 15 straight rounds lost in the last two plus years. Um, what I will say is that, uh, Woodley's time being a top 10 guy, at least right now, that's, that's probably, you know, he's going to have to let that go. You're going to have to accept that you're probably, if he does come back for another fight, he is most likely going to be used to build up another younger guy up and coming unranked, low ranked, someone like that, because, I think to say, oh, well, let's run it back with, uh, you know, give him the Leon Edwards fight or give him something, Bilal Muhammad, someone like that. I just feel like that would be, you know, that would almost, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, once again, yeah, he looked good, but um, I think there's going to have to be that moment. It's like, look, the fact is you're not getting a big fight next. And if Woodley's good with that and Dana White, you know, they feel like they have something they could work with, okay, maybe. But, um, I, you know, once again, I think that you saw that a bit with Yoel Romero, right? They were like, look, you know, we got a low-ranked guy for you at 205. Yoel Romero was talking, I want a title eliminator. And they were like, yeah, that's not what we see for you anymore. And that's where we will be, so... I think that there's going to be a bit of that uncomfortable conversation. Do I think he could still fight and win in, uh, you know, at the lower levels and certainly in uh, promotions that are less deep, like Bellator or the PFL? Yeah, yeah, I do. But um, that's 
that's almost all to say that that almost feels like a backhanded compliment yeah so yeah it's on yeah. tyron woodley to decide like are you okay being that guy for a while to build up other people because four in a row is just four in a row at the end of the day um and that's just a tough thing but that's just the numbers you know as they stand yeah yeah Real quick, Sean O'Malley, uh, double two walk-offs in the same fight. How about that? Um, I will say uh, Sean O'Malley has a very fun style to watch usually. I felt like in that 15 minutes, he kept looking for his highlight reel. And I really feel like had he just been looking to beat him up, he probably would have gotten that fight done at least early second round. I felt like he just stopped throwing volume. I felt like he just, he was kind of looking to just fake. And then he kept going for that spinning wheel kick. He kept looking for that big shot. And Thomas Almeida, to his credit, he really had it for the most of the fight, kept a tight guard that didn't let Sean connect with the big shot. But it led to a fight where I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure he just starts throwing some straight punches and work the body. He'll probably get him out of there. And instead, he just kind of kept looking for the uh, the grenade to land and explode. And he did get that job done at the end, but it was just an interesting fight, to say the least. Yeah, it's kind of silly, man. Uh, you know, Sean O'Malley is just overflowing with, with confidence in himself. And he's um, a man of his generation. And so he's thinking about things that maybe fighters, older fighters or fighters who are coming from other countries aren't necessarily thinking about. And so, I mean, he says it bluntly. I'm, I want to do, I want to make highlight reels. Uh, you know, I want to make a highlight uh, reel of my fight. I want to, you know, conquer social media. You know, these are the things he's thinking of. And obviously he's putting in the time training. I mean, he's a very skilled MMA fighter. Um, but it just seems like he's got one eye on something else when he's in there. And it's a little bit annoying when you know that he could just really, if he really wants to give us that, that highlight real finish, like don't think about it. Just, just, just go in there and go into kill mode. So it's a, a little bit frustrating. Um, and also unfair to Thomas Almeida, like to just be the guy that's like, Oh, I dropped you. And I, I just assumed that you would be knocked out because I am so amazing that when I hit you, you should be done. Um, and he does it twice, and um, you know the second time ends up you know throwing an extra shot there on Almeida because, um, but yeah, I don't think he really needed it, right? I can't, I can't remember now, but I think it was sort of yeah. superfluous. I thought it was so, like the Zombieland double tap. If you've yeah, seen you that know, movie. Yeah, and so like it's it, it's like just just focus on on winning. And stop thinking about the, the external stuff. That would be nice to see because he's very talented. I agree. He, he's got a great um, just ability to control the distance, um, which is obviously very fun to watch uh, when you see guys like Wonderboy and uh, Raymond Daniels and Bellator, um, MVP, Venom Page. Uh, you know, when you see them really painting the canvas, it is fun to watch, but I just felt like Sean O'Malley... You could tell Thomas Almeida wasn't there to be knocked out. Yes, I know it happened, but it's like, I felt like you outfight him. You probably get him out of there. But yeah, I agree with you. It just seemed like he was looking for the for the clip. Not as much. Um, 
he knew he'd get the win either way. And it just made for like, you know, I feel like you're playing with fire throughout this mm-hmm. fight. Let me just uh, reiterate. You are good enough to do that against Thomas Almeida. I, g- I understand that, but yeah. I don't actually want to see you do that out there, if that makes sense. Um, That was really it. Uh, Miranda Maverick, nice win over Julian Robertson. Um, Jamie Malarkey, comma worthy, uh, first round knockout Dude, for Jamie. That was, that was a, nice a beautiful one. combination, like defensive, offensive combination. That was beautiful. Yeah, first round performance. That was a good one. So, um, you know, one of those nights, not the most loaded uh, undercard. Obviously, it took a big hit when you lost the title fight, but still pretty solid overall. Um, I think that it just took a minute to get going. And then as we got later in the night, uh, the performances really started to heat up, especially at the end. Um, to move on, just final notes. Um, Dana White teases the April 10th and the April 17th card, headlined by Marvin Vittori, Darren Till, and then Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, respectively. Looking into moving those. So it looks like he's trying to see if that was the last card at the Apex that's probably a non-contender series event. What do you think about that? Do you think he's gonna... Do you think there's a scenario where you could pull off moving both of those cards? Yes, the, the UFC can definitely do it. We've seen them this past year do amazing things with, um, you know, uh, this kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, that's that's pretty gutsy, man, to to just go basically all in, jump, r- jump right into the deep end. Um, but if anyone can do it, it's the UFC. What you don't want is for them to encounter some problems that then set back the future uh, cards like... Um, well, let me see if I get my dates right here. When's a Mazadal? Those two, that's April. So 10, 17, 24. Those are the three straight weeks. Gotcha. Yeah, so it, here's mean... here's my thing about it is, uh, okay, if you're doing that, where are you moving them to? And so my first thought is like, I'm assuming you're going to, uh, I have heard from a little birdie that the Vistar uh, Arena where they're having Masvidal Luzman 2. Yeah, it's already been booked leading up to the fight with other um, events, mm. which makes me think, well, are you going to try to do like two in Texas and then go to Florida and back to Texas? So because I would say that the the issue with moving them to a s- different venue is that remember that for a lot of towns, for a lot of cities, when they do these. It's a big deal when the UFC comes to town, right? Because you get to just, you know, make your drive, you go home at the end of the night. Whereas if you want to go to the bigger Vegas or LA shows, you're talking about, okay, hotel, flight, couple days out for the fights, right? Whereas when they go to the smaller cities, a lot of them, it's a same day trip for the fans and they fill up the arena because, hey, UFC is coming to town. This is awesome. Now... The issue with doing that in Florida, let's say to keep them all clustered, is that fans who are already paid and coming out to the uh, big event with Usman Masvidal, it's like, okay, are you now going to try to pay to go to the smaller one if you couldn't get into the bigger one? That's a challenge. Um, Like, are you counting on fans driving down if, you know, for all three that's another challenge. So putting it in the same city is one hurdle. Secondly, 
I did think, what if they try to do it like Fight Island and they cluster them, do Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday? Because they already have the Whitaker Gastelum card scheduled for the Saturday before. Mm-hmm. So you would just either bump them to the Wednesday before Usman or you would move the Vittori Till card and bump them into those three slot, those two slots, right? But then yeah. people have already paid for their tickets. Mm. So, you know, you, the point is to bring in the fans. Are you going to try to like make it like, oh, well, now we're offering a bundle. If you already bought tickets, you could pay a little more and get all three. It's a very... You know, it's rolling the dice big time to try to make it work to get fans to pay even more up front on short notice. I think that's the thing. Yeah, it is. Also in today's world, because there's only so many. It's not like they could just go anywhere and fans will fill it up. There's only a few places they could go. They can't, but they have so much banking on this Usman Masvidal fight. And they're selling it like there's going to be 15,000 fans, you know, the promotion yesterday. So maybe this is just they're just thinking like we need dress rehearsals to make sure this goes off without a hitch and let's experiment with these other two fight cards. So that could be the thinking, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think it's um logistics. Logistics are going to be very uh very interesting just if they pull it off, but um yeah, shout out to the sports nista. She got that exclusive. I would <laughs> definitely be tweeting at her and be like, <clears throat> "So, have you got your exclusive yet?" break the news uh yeah um top news story uh former champion misha tate out of left field is coming out of retirement she'll be taking on marion renault on i believe it's july 17th misha obviously has not been seen since 2016 where she lost to raquel pennington and retired inside the cage marion renault we just saw her a week ago she lost to macy chason i believe that was her fourth loss in a row yeah not a good position to be in and um yeah i I feel like i'm gonna just say it bluntly because i feel like it's relevant misha is 34 marion renault the oldest woman on the ufc roster at who will be 44 by the time the fight comes around i do feel like this is a bit of a setup for misha if i'm being honest when i see those numbers um (laughs) Uh, just what are your thoughts? Because we also, Misha's had a lot of interviews since then. And she says, uh, this isn't just me fighting in front of my kids for the sake of having done it. This is, uh, she's serious about trying to make a run at that title that Amanda Nunes took from her, uh, five years ago. What are your thoughts? That's gutsy, man. And, but you know, the 35 division is kind of like in need of a, of a boost. It needs a little bit of, a of excitement now this if anyone can do that it's misha tate but it's just a matter of has she evolved to match the level of the of the mma game these days you know amanda nunes is still at the top balance shevchenko at the top whaley Zhang at the top can misha tate compete with any of those fighters you know specifically nunes for the weight class but you know the level of of mixed martial artists that they are, can Misha Tate compete in that realm? I don't know, but she can certainly compete with everyone else in 35 because there's not really anyone that can give a Nunes a, a run for her money except for Holly Holm, you know, because she's still, she's still cooking. Um, so I think there's room there for Misha Tate to explore the division. 
but then it all roads lead to Nunes and it's kind of like hard to see a path to victory. But we don't know how Misha Tate's going to perform. And that's that's the question, right? Um, also, I'm surprised that she came back, period. But I think it could be two things. You know, her role at one championship was changed because of COVID and she has two kids and probably needs to, you know, renew or probably needs to... Um, uh, boost her income and so what else is she qualified to do well fight and if she has an inclination and desire and looks at that 135 roster and is like hey i can make some noise or i can make an impact why not give it a shot okay let's see misha tate let's see what 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 uh what you bring back to the division i'm interested a little bit excited um very curious very curious I would remind you, she also has that Sirius XM show that she's been doing for years. Of course, um, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's money. I feel like one championship gave her a big contract. Remember, they signed her husband. You know, and that's not a coincidence. I'm pretty sure they were like, "Yeah, uh, if I'm coming along, he's coming, and you got to give him a fight contract." So, of course, yeah. But when is, you have, I a, mean, has when he you been have, fighting? I don't know. When you. We'd have to Google that. When you have a promotion willing to do that kind of stuff for you, they're shelling out cash for right. sure. So, because they could have been like, well, he could train in Singapore if he moves with you and then just go back to find the United States whenever. I think that that's a sign. Um, just moving, uh, just collectively. I think, um, if she really, if it really is about the competition, I think that's cool because I feel like she left with a lot of gas in the tank and a lot of fight still left in her if she had wanted to. A few things, every time I've heard Misha talk about it, she'll always talk about, well, I grapple and I grapple and I'm like, have you, and I guess only she knows for sure, how much have you actually kind of worked your striking in retirement? Because if it's just mm -hmm. about getting a workout and all that, you know, definitely you just need to grapple and do whatever workouts you're doing. But I think part of the growth comes from, hey, work with your boxing coaches, get in a couple rounds sparring, work that part of your game. So, you know, if you can't take them down, you're not worried about uh, being in Ghanu. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So I, that is my one question I did have about, you know, what she's worked on in the off season, so to speak. I will say that a win because of her name value and the nature of 135, it does help her. But I think if you beat Renault, I don't see a title shot. I think you got to acknowledge Holly Holm, Aspen Ladd, Jermaine. Those are three people right off the bat that are, you know, I think they're on a good run right now that Misha would have to worry about. I don't think that she comes in necessarily ready to run the show i know that 135 is shallow but you do still have two or three girls that just because they lost to nunez does not mean they are not still very dangerous bantamweights so i think that that's food for thought but the fact is she's a big name you could argue she's still top five one of the biggest names competing in women's mixed martial arts right now um so i think that that just adds a level of intrigue certainly it's, it's notable, you know, it's newsworthy. You know, it's not just a random person coming back. This is Misha Tate who, you know, the two pillars of women's MMA in the UFC with her and Ronda, right? Yeah. Everyone else is just kind of 
running the house after them. Um, moving on. Oh, well, I guess, did you have any more to add about, uh, Misha? No, I forgot about Jermaine Duran and me. So, so yeah, besides Holly Holm, that's a tough one. And Irene Aldana, you know, that's, she's also a, a great Contender. fighter, great boxer. So there's a lot of, of opportunity for Misha Tate to, to tell us how has she evolved, right? There's a lot of opportunity there. No, it, it's true. I think, uh, she brings in the element of surprise. And it's on her to, you know, does she have it for us? And they say she's been back at Extreme Couture working in the gym. So I think that's something. It explains to... it. Like, I kept seeing that on Instagram that she was back, and I was like, what happened to Singapore? Like, I I, I missed the, the news about her. Oh, yeah, that happened teach. months, like last year. Yeah, but she had the baby still in Singapore. And then after that, um, then she came back and was training. So, so. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah. I think I guess there was just less to do, less athlete interaction at the end of the yeah. day. So, and she did say that she put in her thirty day notice at one championship. So, okay, yeah. Um, we still got one more news story, Natalie. Uh, ben Askren and Jake Paul—they kind of brought the show back, and you know they had the second biggest press conference of the week. Um, they had the only other press conference, but still. Uh, they traded some insults. Ben used his dad comedy, I'll call it. Jake used his, um, uh, rebellious teen comedy. There was a bit of, uh, pushing, a bit of body slapping, and we have a fight. Thoughts? Dude, that, I mean, Ben Askren, I still, I still think it's going to be hard for him because his striking to me is terrible. I still think it's going to be hard for him to actually beat Paul. But the way he handled that press conference is just pure, like, veteran savvy and, um, you know, <laughs> putting his hand in Logan Paul's face. Oh, no, this is Jake Paul. Sorry. Put his hand in Jake Paul's face. And um, the reaction from, from Jake was hilarious. It was just, like, desperate kid brother um, and, like, <laughs> it was just weak. It was so weak. A little bit embarrassing, and um, I think Ben Askren definitely won that round. I think Ben kind of said it bluntly. It's like, Jake, we are here to meet in boxing. If I honestly could put my hands on you, I could pop your neck, your head and neck off with a good squeeze, and it would be very easy for me to get there. So I think when you know you already have that advantage over somebody, it's notable. Like we said... Jake is younger. Jake is faster. Ben has to show us boxing. He has not shown us throughout his career. But at the end of the day, he's got way more combat sports experience than Jake Paul does. And even for anybody, what's the first thing you got to learn in MMA, like boxing? How to block a punch. If they knock you out before they take you down, there's really no point of doing all that wrestling. So that I trust his ability to do that but once again we've all seen him box in mma and it wasn't always the best so you know i do they've promoted it well i feel the intrigue i see the hook i i think they did a good job with generating curiosity i will say i think this is a big measuring stick and i don't have an answer but I think that the success of the card will largely come down to Jake Paul's star power. 
if it is successful, it is because you honestly believe in this brash young YouTuber against fighters, legit proven fighters in combat sports. And I'm not convinced that he's not going to generate numbers. I think he honestly got a good shot at doing it. And Ben is a great foil for this, and it's just going to be very interesting. What about you? How does this pay-per-view, uh, or I guess, what do you think of the chances of it delivering? I don't know. Delivering a good fight, oof, I don't know, because I don't think Aspen, I, I mean, I just don't think he's got the chops to, to deliver a good stand-up fight. Now, on the other hand, with Jake being bigger, stronger, faster, and like, you know, just been practicing boxing for a year or two, I don't know. Like, I think his chances are pretty good of knocking Ben Askren out and if he can just catch him. So is Ben Askren going to run around, be a clown? We don't know. But as far as Jake Paul being able to bring in the numbers, yeah, he's the he's the main attraction. I don't know how people are, will feel or, or are feeling, have been feeling about his response to Ben Askren's, uh, you know, little gameplay at the face-off because it was so not ah, it wasn't like um alpha you know the way he reacted by slapping his his side and pushing him and so is that going to turn people away i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know how uh, i don't know who jake paul's fans are i don't know them and so like i can't say like if this is the kind of reaction that they would be like amused by excited by i don't know but to me i was like oh god i mean you already have my money but if you didn't if i didn't really kind of basically have to watch this fight that would tell me like oh come on i don't want to see that (laughs) i think it'll be very uh it's another one to watch plain and simple yeah uh quick notes uh frank Mir will no longer be fighting antonio tarver he'll be fighting steve cunningham on the undercard uh, Steve, a uh, solid record, a couple more losses, I believe, than Antonio, but he also is the last person to fight Antonio and win. So Antonio Tarver's last fight was a loss to Steve Cunningham. And on Steve's record, also a fight with Tyson Fury, who has been quoted as saying that Steve was his toughest opponent ever. So, wow. <laughs> and then you have Frank Mir, who is Frank Mir. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I do remember a time when Frank Mir was really working the boxing and all that. Obviously, he's known for his jiu-jitsu, but on paper, he's been the more active fighter, if I'm not mistaken. But um, this is still a good fight for him and a good test. So I think that'll be another real good gauge of where these guys are at. I hope he's making good money. Uh, ben Askren, I was just watching a little bit of the Food Truck Diaries with Brendan Schaub, and he says this is the biggest payday he's had in his entire career. Uh, it makes sense, but it's still shocking. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's almost like there's nothing to lose. You're already retired. If this guy who's much, much younger and bigger and stronger and faster than you beats you, well, okay, that's that, that, can make, that makes sense, right? You know, Despite my resume, that makes sense that this guy would beat me. And if I win, okay, great. Either way, I'm making a ton of money. So Ben Askren is doing smart moves. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very true. And I do think they are all getting paid. And you know what? Trillers, they've done a great job promoting it. I think that they're getting people curious. I know that only two options this could go. And I'm curious, you know? So, yeah, it's a 
well promoted it's now on the guys all to deliver uh final note uh dustin portier tweets out july 10 i think that says just about everything we need to know what do you mm-hmm. think yeah pretty much i mean what a tease <laughs> um not that he is a tease but that that tweet is such a tease but it's also like basically yeah all the information we needed to know it's like okay great save a mm-hmm. save another 70 dollars for july 10th um not that we weren't already going to do it because that's the international fight week but um yeah, man. I mean, the story is that he, according to Dana White, that he turned down the title fight to fight Connor again. That's that's crazy, but it's smart. And Dana says they're looking to bring it to Vegas, possibly. So the return of International Fight Week in Vegas is a big deal. Yeah, man. Get your ticket now. For real. Um, final one. Bellator comes back this Friday on Showtime. So it's going to be... Uh, New experience for a lot of people. You can't just tune into Paramount. Uh, you can't tune into CBS Sports. You can't fire up the zone. I know they're offering the free trial, so fans aren't necessarily, you know, you don't have to pay up right away, but if you don't have Showtime, it is going to be a, another one added to the list for a, quite a few people, I believe. So that is something. But we have it. I think the only fight that could be first after you know remember scott cooker said we're going to get this fight in january it's going to be uh april and that's a uh, patricio pitbull against emmanuel sanchez i believe they fought it was 2017 2018 and uh since then uh, so they fought to a decision yeah uh, pitbull won since then uh pitbull's well he's kind of become the pitbull right yeah. you know beat michael chandler Archuleta, uh, you know, he's just done, he's really ran the show once again. Manuel Sanchez, he's done his work. He's gotten up to the semifinal and he's looking to spoil all those plans to make the fight with uh, Pitbull and AJ McKee. Um, what are your thoughts on this fight, Natalie? I'm, I'm excited to finally see the, uh, the Grand Prix winding down. I know it's been frustrating for all parties involved having to have it dragged out this long, but I mean that was everyone's 2020, right? All your plans put a put a put a pin in them. Um, but you know I'm excited to see Bellator on Showtime. Like so for me it's like a whole big thing just to see how they how they put on their show. Um, I already do subscribe to Showtime, so one less subscription to add. Thank goodness. But um, it's exciting because I think you know personally the. Uh, the Grand Prix, we were there when they did their selections, you know, in the, in the, at the forum, that was, I think that was the last fight I attended before, before my, uh, my little guy was born. So it's a little bit of nostalgia for me. Um, but as far as the actual fight goes, Patricia, pa, Patricia people like, man, he's just, uh, he's not quite a Terminator like P- Piotr Jan is, but he's, he's, he's up there, right? Like he starts aggressive always. And because this fight with Sanchez, the, the first fight, went all the way to decision, he's been saying, uh, not again. And so you guarantee that this guy's pitbull is going to come out hard, fast, and to give the fans everything they want to see, and to make a great splash on Showtime. So I'm expecting Emmanuel Sanchez ready to go. He's going to do his thing, but Pitbull's just uh, Pitbull's Pitbull, man. And like, there's kind of no stopping him right now. That's where I see it. 
Yeah, I, I watched their first fight, and the thing that uh, shocked me is that uh, Emmanuel Sanchez doesn't have that one-shot power, but he's very tall and very strong. So he gets a grip on you. You could tell that he's, uh, you know, he's able to keep up with this explosive guy in Pitbull, right? Who's got yeah. just, you know, kind of like a car bursting, you know, a horse bursting out of the whatever they call it when they race. I don't know. But um, the fact is he's got that kind of speed. Sanchez got a little bit more of that gorilla grip kind of strength, tall, long, and, you know, he could keep up with you too. Um, Sanchez did a good job staying in his face, versatile attack, really mixed it up. What really bailed Pitbull out of the first fight was his power. He landed some big shots and he cut up Sanchez. He got to the positions he needed. He landed a little more. Um, and I think part of that was the fact that when you... You know, when you hit, you kind of stun your opponent. So that all worked for him. They had some great grappling exchanges that Pitbull did well in too. My thing about Pitbull, you see the fight with Chandler and Pedro Carvalho. First round finishes. Looks like he could get you out at any time. Then you have the fights with Sanchez, with Juan Archuleta. He doesn't always... And mind you, those are smaller fighters that's mm -hmm. those are featherweights right and he's the guy who was supposed to knock out lightweights right yeah so i think that that's where the fight gets interesting is that you know yes he could just go out there and blitz him and get him out and we should not be surprised he isn't exactly always that guy and i think when you talk about sanchez you're talking about a durable guy who's still versatile and I see no reason why you can't implement a lot of similar things and get into a dogfight with Pitbull. Now, Pitbull still has all the attributes he did in the first fight and then some. He's obviously grown and studied as Sanchez has, but I think Sanchez physically not as explosive. Doesn't mean he's still going to get walked over. And then um, secondly, Pitbull doesn't always knock everybody out in the first round. I think in a long fight, this still has all the makings to be competitive. Uh, but you also acknowledge that Pitbull is on a special kind of run right now. And I do think that has an effect in how he fights, for sure. Which yeah, gets, indeed. Which gets us to our point, Natalie. Yes, sir. Someone's got to win. Who do you Shall think it'll be? I think, even though you said he doesn't always knock people out in the first round... Well, yeah, not always, but I think that's what we're going to see I was here. It's like, that's not subjective, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I'm going I'm going Pitbull KO round one, and uh, and still. I'm going to go round three Pitbull. Oh, okay. I think that uh, Sanchez ain't going to go away quietly, but Pitbull's going to have his Habib, like, you know, like, I need a fight for the championship, you know, and... Like against Michael Johnson, I think Pitbull's just gonna <laughs> go from you know gear one to gear three when he really wants to win it, and that's how he's gonna get the job done. So. Yeah, he just wants to get it over with quickly so he can move on to the to AJ McKee, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, he should. We all know that's a big fight he's gonna want to prep for. So yeah, but yeah, okay. there we have it, guys. Another episode. Um, once again, thank you for enjoying MMA Daily. Thank you for the nice things you say on the YouTube videos or in, 
you know, social media. I do appreciate it. Thank you for celebrating another trip for me around the sun. Um, Natalie, next week. Uh, well, or so, yeah. Do I have that correct? Yes, it'll be the following one. There's a week off of UFC, but if it holds, Marvin Vittori, Darren Till, all I'll say is that I hope it's a good fight. It has all the makings of one. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you nailed it. Let's, uh, you know, we, we know what we can expect from both fighters, and um, that's about it, man. Let's hope that they, they give us what we're used to seeing from them. And Ryan Bader, Machida, and Bellator. Dude, I forgot Machida. Bellator's going to be consistent now. <laughs> it's it, We got some good fights coming up for next week. Mm-hmm. So, guys, we'll be back to talk about it, recap everything. Until then, have a good one. Take care.